0: Might just use that as the start of the podcast. Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's 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 do it. Let's do it, right You've got to hold and give and do that at the right time And the right time is now to listen to a podcast about football And to also say Up the lionesses, it's a sad time to be an Australian The rain saved you from losing the ashes and an embarrassing comeback defeat The rain's the only thing that stopped the English And now you've been thwacked by the lionesses in the semi-finals of the World Cup Jarkins, how are you doing?
1: I'm alright, thank you Ross. I'm having an anxiety riddled day and I'm bleeding, but apart from that, I'm alright.
0: Well, let's unpack this. What's the? I don't, I don't need to go into the anxiety, that's a personal issue, but the blood I'm interested in. Where? Where's the blood coming from? How much of it? What colour?
1: Um, It's like a deep red, uh, a little bit out on my heel. Uh, and it's directly, It's not like proper anxiety. It's, today, it was a, a cock up by my own doing, really. Um, I thought I was just in for a day of holding give stuff, so I was like, cool, I need to catch up on some of the highlights and some podcast bits. So first thing, I needed to go to the bank and thought, right, I'll get my headphones in, I'll do this bit, I'll do my bank stuff, come back, get a message from Aidan Gibbon saying, did you forget you are on the website today and CM Punk's been kicking off on everyone?
0: Oh, so God.
1: I, I started in the wrong mindset, and then I still had to go to the bank because it was important, put on some Air Max I've had for three years, but I've only worn once, hadn't broken them in, and my heels have just bled buckets. But apart from that, we're all we're all
0: right. It's all CM we're Punk's all right. fault. I hate CM Punk. He's a cancer to everything he's involved in. Apart from AW Collision, which is a fantastic on-screen product. You have a Beaver Town pint glass. Yes. You straight edge son of a gun. What's that doing there? I mean, I'm drinking water out of it. It's fine. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: like, um, it was. I found this on the street on Christmas Day. <laughs> <laughs> really. Yeah, we went for, because we lived in Timemouth and we had no family up north for Christmas. We were like, oh, we're bored. Let's do the Tory thing of going for a walk. Uh, and we <laughs> went for a walk at night, walked past the pub and I spotted out the corner of my eye and went, oh, was one, of one of those glasses, emptied it and held it in my pocket for two hours, got home, washed it four times, and now I drink water out of it. And
0: yeah. you haven't caught any diseases. But then again, it is Tynemouth, which is a more sophisticated area of the north- northeast of England. What was in the pint glass when you found it? Dregs. Jags <laughs> and bits of sand Or was it piss? No. It could no. be. I've just realised no. my pajama bottoms are in the background of shot here. Let's put them down there. <laughs> I know everyone wants to see my pajama bottoms. You want to see my pajama bottoms?
1: Oh yes, please.
0: Ta-da! Ta-da! ta-da they look, they look very soft. Da-da. They are very soft. Mm. And they smell like poo. Anyway, did you know that Neymar won the Liga Player of the Month before Lionel Messi did Jackins? That's only because the gong, as I think the Spanish like to call it, as I'm learning today, the gong was introduced as a concept only in 2013. It was never a thing before that. Neymar won it for the first time in November 2015, with Messi win it for the first time of about a million times in January of 2016. Just in case you're wondering, fans of Revista de la Liga and stuff like that and Paella and Bulls, and the beaches uh, Diego Costa was the first ever winner of the Player of the Month award in September 2013 and Chelsea's recent signing, uh, signing Nicholas Jackson was the recipient of the last one of last season back in May so up oh, the Player of the Month I can't believe it wasn't a thing until 2013
1: yeah the, the fact that it wasn't a thing until 2013 in fact it took so long for Messi to get it as well yeah, I, I, I don't know if there was like a quiet conversation where they were just like, lads, we can't we can't give it to Messi or Ronaldo straight away because it'll be a farce. I know there's other good players who are deserving of it, but come on, let's, oh, let's be honest.
0: Over three years, though, for Messi to wait one. You look at some of the names on the Wikipedia article, which, of course, means it's all factually correct because anyone can edit that. I reckon, what's-his-face, Scott Minto, who used to host Revista <laughs> de La Liga, he's the one who's on the Wikipedia page for La Liga. Uh, just some of the names on there who got it before Messi is staggering. Also, Steven Nzonzi won it in 2017 at some point. That was a big standout name for me.
1: I wonder how many uh, Iago Aspas has, (laughs) because obviously... Brilliant for Celta Vigo Terrible for Liverpool And then brilliant
0: for Celta Vigo again So fantastic Yeah the heavy pressure Of the Weds The Weds The Weds I'm not Jonathan Watts The Reds weighing down On his (laughs) neck Bloody Nora Anyway Up the Hold and Give Fantasy Football League It is live It is in person No, It's it's on an app It's not in person I don't know what I'm saying Now I'm just a crap host Of a podcast But Jack Atkins I need to ask you Hopefully with your phone In front of you Because we didn't discuss This beforehand Where are you In the Hold and Give Fantasy Football League Currently? I have no idea. I've not. Checked I'll tell it. you where I am while you're having a look. <laughs> I am currently 211th on the 66 points. So if you've got somewhere around that, that is where you are with me. Let me see. Let so me see. I
1: think you're. No, I've got. I've got 56 points down below you. Probably.
0: You must be the only person below me in the in the cultaholic office league because I'm currently 11th. I've, I've told you like the,
1: the the stock I put in fantasy football it's a bit of fun but currently in the Cultaholic Soccer, uh, Fantasy Football League I'm not going to name names but someone who admittedly is not a fan of football is top because they listen and game it. It's, fantasy football played with your heart and a bit of
0: nouse. come on I know it's the real people who know football who don't do well at FPL because it's not even real football you're not basing things off real football here for FPL no no, you're my, not. My, you're... my
1: brother used to do because my brother was 10 years older than me he used to do Old school fantasy football over the house phone with his mates <laughs> as a kid. Um, he was in as a kid, well, when he was a, a young man, I think he had a work league, so they were all given a team and they had to do it that way. And I wanted to be involved, and they gave me FC Porto, but I was seven years old and had no idea what I was doing. So, <laughs> yeah, hey, I might be wrong. That's how we used to do it back in the day, kids. Might be around
0: the time Bobby Robinson was manager when you were seven.
1: Yeah, probably, but still I wasn't watching uh, I wasn't watching the Portuguese league,
0: was I? Why not, eh? Why not? But if you want to join the league <laughs> and obviously get a reduced points total because of you join the league a bit late, you still can do the link is in the description to both the YouTube video and the Spotify description, the ACAST description, all the descriptions you can probably see. We move on what? now. Ooh, I was gonna say what's your team called this year? I haven't actually checked. Hell in La Mm. Jamal Lascelles, club captain. Not sure why, because he never ever plays wrestling. Tying in, yeah. it ticks all the boxes. Very nice, very nice. Up oh, the so and I said up oh, the Slick McCarthy. That's your team name, anyway. Fantasy football video, that's what I should have said, that's coming later this week, myself and Kayla are doing fantasy football showdowns each and every Ooh. week where we're going to compare our goings on, our transfer dealings, what we're going to do in the upcoming week, how we did the week previously, then we end up with a massive punch up, it's a big fight, fisty cuffs, now I get beaten up every single time because I'm soft It's good to see uh, your good lady lass on the channel, like Kayla, she's a good egg well I should say it's only because nobody else is available. You went quiet on the home shirt tier list. I thought he, he mustn't want to do it anymore and time's of the time is of the essence. <laughs> Owen didn't want Owen Owen wasn't free for an entire week. Joel's retired from on screen on screen stuff. So I was like, Kayla, come on down, you're the only one left.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I know I was keen to do
0: it. It was just uh, the stars didn't align, Ross. It didn't align and now the stars have flown away forever. <laughs> but anyway, Clive F-Word, it is time for On This Day IP Freely. What happened on this day in football history?
1: So we are talking on August the 16th, 2023, but On This Day in Football History, Ross, in 1890, the first four games of the Scottish League were played. Uh, I've got one result for you. Don't ask for any others. But Canberra slang 8, Vale of Leven 2. So
0: that happened. Sorry, my, my phone just started playing Spotify for no reason whatsoever. There, just in case you're wondering, flown away forever in bracket sketch by J H E C A. I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> Technology, eh? I don't oh, know. What's it like? Who, it? Was, who was this? <laughs> Why is that on my Spotify? It sounds like your SX, SSX Tricky Three soundtrack. That sort of vibe. Anyway. I mean, what a game to what a game to go for. To be fair, Oh, bloody lovely game. I used to love that game back in the day. You, you, uh,
1: were you a whiz kid on the slopes? Were you?
0: Not really. No, I just enjoyed the music and the the trousers, the big big baggy trousers. Yeah. David Arquette was one of the voices, or something, wasn't he? Will he? I think so. I might have just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk,
1: talking to David Arquette, um, in, in 1980 on this day, for what this is nothing to do with David Arquette... Oh, he made in his debut for
0: Cambridge United, didn't he, David Arquette? Of course, on this day in 1980.
1: Well, of course. And also, uh, Bristol Rovers' Eastville ground went on fire after their opening day went over Orient. They went Lincoln Orient then, they were just Orient. Um, the South Stand, which also housed the offices and changing rooms, completely burned out. So Rovers have to use Bristol City's ground for the next five games and both teams are relegated to Division 3 at the end of the season. <laughs> it's Just what a bad season. What a bad season all around. Terrible. Talking of terrible things, here's one that you'll laugh at. 1992, the first ever live televised goal from the Premier League heard. Nottingham Forests. Teddy Sheringham scored against Liverpool.
0: He did. He twatted in the top corner, didn't he? And he ran away going, yeah, yeah I still go to nightclubs at the age of 50. Yeah. That was all the talk of it. So I had uh, a lad I lived with, um, he was from Romford. Romford, I think? Not Romford. I forget, somewhere down where Towie's filmed Jackins. And, and there's a, there was a bar there where Teddy Sheringham at the age of whatever he was in 2012 to 14 sort of time. He was going to nightclubs with young ladies. That's a big scoop for the podcast right there.
1: Well, he's one of those fellas that now looks the age. It now is the age he's always looked. He's like Arjen Robin in that uh, respect.
0: You know who looks remarkable for his age? I only realise this week. Ray Parler, right? Cause every time, you know, when you go into the for you section of Twitter or X, yeah. Um. obviously it's people you don't follow, but it's people who are like associated with the areas of your interest on social media. So he's always on my for you bit of Twitter or X. I keep calling it Twitter. It's called X. And he, I don't know how old he is, but he's always got a drink and or a curry in his hand, and he just he's in shape. He still looks like he can knock it around for middles better in the 0405 campaign for Steve McLaren's side. He's sensational for his age, is Ray Parler. I'm sure they call him the party as well because of how much he drinks.
1: Is it Ray Parler who is Romford Pele on Twitter? It is,
0: yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. 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 Slay Queen Ray Parler, slay. Well, it's a good thing that you
1: mentioned Steve McLaren because the last bit of on the stay in football history didn't involve Ray Parler. But in 2006, Steve McLaren took charge of England for the first time. He dropped David Beckham and they twatted Greece 4-0 at Old Trafford. I, was, I think Gerard might have worn the number nine shirt for that game, you know. He seemed to wear a different number every game for England. And it was, as our iconic number eight, we were just like, give him the number eight. He couldn't oh. have it though because of
0: Lampard. Lampard's more than eight. Uh, by the letter of the law, possibly. Yeah, by the letter of the law. But yeah, Gerard. Was, yeah. I think he might have been playing on the right there for England as well in that game. I think it was at Old Trafford. I'm going through the memory banks here. I know it was definitely at Old Trafford. I know that Gerard yeah. might have won the number nine. I don't. He might. I don't know.
1: Well, all I know is that Steve McLaren did a good job in that first game.
0: <laughs> yes, he did. And it didn't go any higher from that point there, really, for the, the rest of his tenure as England manager. On to. The man, the-, the man who's remembered for holding an umbrella. Yeah, the Wally with the brolly. Yeah. In a game that produced arguably the greatest line tackle of all time, though, Saul Campbell literally sliding about 500 yards off the pitch. It was sensational. Forever. Looked it was so fun. Yeah. Love to have a go at that. Tie me to a motorcycle. By the by the ankles and drag me across Wembley when it's that sudden. What a great time to be had! Well, I know you've just had your birthday, but that gives me plenty of time to plan for your next one. Thank you very much. What motorcycle you going to purchase? A Yamaha? One of their Wallace and Gromitz numbers? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I know nothing about motorbikes, in the way you said it anyway. The Premier League returned at the weekend. It was a decent weekend. For all concerned, wasn't it Jack? And kicked obviously on Friday night. Burnley nil, Manchester City three—a very much routine victory for Manchester City. Wasn't too much to write home about, no controversial thingies or anything like that. Apart from the press getting Pep Guardiola giving Erling Haaland an earful, then Pep going to the TV camera, "No, no, you go away." To which you're saying to yourself, "Why don't you just wait until you're in the dressing room, you bald idiot."
1: Yeah, and people, obviously, because people need stuff to talk about with the amount of coverage, etc. I think they made more out of this than they needed to be. I just think it was two perfectionists having a little tiff, and that was it. Yeah, it was something um, about Erling
0: Haaland wanting balls in behind and then him not getting the balls or something. All the balls. All, all,
1: all the balls. This is the Steve McLaren episode, isn't it? <laughs> um, but, yeah, routine. like you said, routine victory. I watched that at my mate's house, and... It was on the background because we knew it was a formality. I don't think Burnley looked out of it. I don't think they looked overawed or anything. I think they'll be fine.
0: Yep, yeah, they've got about 11 million wingers, though, including Nathan Redman, So, And I think they signed one more winger just after the game as well. So Vincent Company loves a winger for some reason. Just loves it. Why, though? It's Vincent Company. He shouldn't like wingers. He should like large, towering centre-halves. You Tarkowskis of the world. Get him back at Burnley.
1: imagine that Everton being like oh please don't take our players we've only got four
0: (laughs) then we move on to Saturday's results Newcastle United 5 Aston Villa 1 if you ask old whiskey knows how the game went apparently Newcastle were very lucky to win a game 5 goals to 1 Aston Villa dominated the ball apparently and they did have a fair amount of possession when it was 1-1 and then Tyrone Mings went off at 2-1 so Newcastle because a lot of people were saying as well that Tyrone Mings is the reason it was 5-1 Aston Villa had conceded two goals in the first twenty-three or twenty-four minutes, which is when Tyler roamings went off. So it wasn't the mm. most, you know, sound defensive display to begin with. Obviously, it fell apart from there. I can't believe, as a Newcastle fan, how far it how well it went. I should say.
1: Yeah, this was one of uh, three games that I watched live on Saturday. I just had my ass on the couch and just went, right, I'm in. Um is a bit good, isn't he?
0: Uh, surprisingly so because he had that wonderful display against Rangers but again it, it I, I hesitate to say it but it is only Rangers you know Todd Cantwell's yeah. going up there and tearing stuff up isn't he which tells you all you need to know after failing at <laughs> Norwich um, or Bournemouth wherever the hell he was he was at Bournemouth wasn't he Um mm. And uh, ever since then, in the preseason friendly, he just looks like he wasn't up to pace, and maybe he wasn't. He was going to struggle a bit with the like physicality, I guess, of the Premier League. But then he shut all that sort of detractor ship up, if you want to call it that. Um, detractor ship. Mm. Ooh, fancy words from Ross that make no sense whatsoever. Um, but yeah, he was everywhere. He was putting his foot in. He was zinging the ball across the pitch. He was covering every blade of grass. He was a bit of everything you want to see from a centre midfielder.
1: Yeah, you're gonna have to excuse me as well because I took all my notes on my phone. So I'm just going off this. Don't mind I me. do think that while you would have won, I do think Mings was the difference maker because even just in terms of the atmosphere and Villa's head dropped as soon as he went off. Um Aidan Gibbons messaged me to say, because he was at the game or Blairy celebrating he told me that he did take a photo of himself laughing at Tyrone Mings when he went down, oh. not realising how serious the injury was at the time. And then when he got stretched off, he went, ah, I feel bad now.
0: Yeah, because the way it did happen, you just think, oh, he's just a bit of play acting here looking for a free kick. And then obviously you watch the replay back, you do see his knee sort of pop. And obviously it looks yeah. like he's going to be on a, a, a long... I mean, to be fair, Aidan was one of the few who was laughing at him because I thought he got a, a nice standing ovation when he was getting <laughs> carried off by the Newcastle fans. Yeah, but
1: this is Aidan Gibbons. The man's got a, a very warped sense of humour, and we'll leave it at that. He but, has, um, yeah. I, I I thought Anthony Gordon was really good as well. He looked very hungry. He looked up for it, and I was like, wow, okay.
0: Um, I think that's another yeah. another another dagger to the heart of evidence because it looked like he wasn't fit when he arrived at Newcastle. Then all of a sudden, he's had obviously a full pre-season under... And then he called him a dictator there, but that's the wrong word completely. A taskmaster like Eddie Howe, who doesn't yeah. accept anything less than 150% worth of effort. And he looks fit as a fiddle. As you say, he's got a fire in his belly. And he's, he's a little bit of quality now as well in terms of final passes, which is nice to see.
1: Well, I don't want to get yourself and other Newcastle fans like you know too excited, but I'd say there was a, they were entertaining this side when I was watching them. Just the way they went at it. Who else was good? Harvey Barnes, he had so much fun down that left, especially. I think that was Um, down to
0: Villa as well, because the high line they were playing that second half, especially where the back four was camped on the halfway line. When you had pacey players like Barnes, Wilson can get hmm. going when he wants to. Um, Who else was on there? Uh, Miggy Elmer on, obviously. But why would you play (laughs) on the halfway line with them three? Well, five or six pacey boys running at you. Yeah, it was...
1: It was, it was an odd game because, like you said, that first 20 minutes, despite them conceding twice, I thought this was just going to be end to end. I thought Diaby started really strongly as well. Um, they're going to have to try and find a replacement for Mings because he's probably going to be out for most of, if not all, the season, aren't he? And we were saying last week about how everyone expects him to do really well. I would imagine this is probably going to be the one result for Villa that sticks out like a sore thumb, but... Yeah yeah what a game what a game but yeah. you're very happy aren't
0: you I'm very very happy and very very surprised bring on Manchester mm. City away on Saturday night that's all I'm saying we're playing them at a great time they're obviously playing in the European Super Cup tonight as we're sat here recording hopefully mm. their journey home gets delayed by several hours over from Greece back to England and that play in the Newcastle's favour there uh, Sheffield United 0 Crystal Palace 1 the highlight of the game I suspect might be someone else's highlight of the week so we'll speak about that little bit a little bit later on as for the game itself Sheffield United look like they, they're they just set up for relegation, aren't they? Let's just get it out there. Just, they just—they haven't spent much money this yeah. summer. They've let their two best players go. One bafflingly so to Burnley, who is one of the relegation rivals, you probably think, come the end of the season. Crystal Palace have kept largely the same team. There's not much change there. Obviously, they, they might lose... Well, they're losing Elise. The Apparently, they could lose Eze before the window, which would be disastrous for them, you would think. Um, so, it's pretty much... It's. It, this felt like it was a weird thing to say but it feels like a game remember when like two teams are like 11th and 12th come the end of the season nothing to play for I was watching the match of the day highlights which gives you I think a nice picture of the game obviously not the full picture but it felt like one of those games at the end of the season where there wasn't much riding on it that sort of vibe I don't know about anybody else it might just be me in my weird ways
1: no, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I, I watched the highlights as well. And like you said, it presents a picture of the game. Um, but as you were saying, especially with Eze, he was dancing around with ease. I think the scoreline actually flat Sheffield United because 1-0 mm. makes it sound like more of a contest than it was. Um, Sheffield, uh, Sheffield United, sorry, their back line was all over the place from what I could see as well. Yeah. It was, but like you said, there was just no... No urgency. It wasn't even like they were overwhelmed by the occasion of being back in the top. They would just kind of look like, ah, we're here now. It was kind of defeatist because, like you said, they've got rid of some of the best players. It, it almost felt like the team were just like, well, we're buggered, aren't we? So, you know, come on, let's have a go.
0: Yeah, we'll take the parachute payments and move on with our lives. But yeah, as I say, there, the highlight of the game will be discussed at length upcoming in the podcast. Everton nil, full and one. I was, Everton missed as many chances as they might have in the next four games. How they didn't get on the score sheet, I guess it's going to be their big issue. they obviously got that young lad in from uh, Sporting Lisbon, which you'd hope would sort things out for them from an attacking sense. Fulham got away with one here, I thought.
1: Yeah, and um, they've brought in that uh, is it Harrison from Leeds as well, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, I, this is one of the games I had on, but my cousin phoned me, who I haven't seen for a year, and we spent an hour on the phone talking about Ian Walker. So, uh... <laughs> Why? Why? amongst other things I don't know just when I was little I was obsessed with um, goalkeepers that I thought were cool like Ian Walker and Mark Bosnich I
0: tell you Um, what when I was growing up and getting involved remember the premiership on ITV when he was playing for Leicester hmm. Ian Walker and he was horrible but apparently that's because he was a bit of a party boy off the pitch and was always pissed. Um, I always thought, why is he in the England squad in like 2003-04 sort of time? I couldn't believe my eyes because I always thought he was one of the worst keepers in the Premier League without knowing he obviously had a quite a distinguished career at Spurs in the 90s. <laughs> yeah.
1: So we, we were talking about that, but like I said, one eye on Everton. Um, yeah, can't finish the dinner. Uh, same as what I thought last season. I'm, I'm a big fan of Alex Awobi. Um, whenever he was on the ball, it looked like, right, he was driving on and uh, was a Decore who was unlucky at one point yeah. and there was the um, penalty appeal as well um, but like you said Fulham did get away with one because if Everton had someone in front of goal who could have tucked it away it would have been a a different story altogether.
0: Yeah, I think it might be a 5-1 if they had a proper finisher on the pitch, to be fair. They had mm-hmm. that many good chances. Uh, Brighton Hove, Albion 4, Luton 1. It's a massive shame for Mr Impenza, who's like the first ever footballer, as we all know, to go up through the leagues with the same team on his Premier League debut. He's fanning around in the box with that ball, tries to play a stupid pass and presents a goal straight to Brighton.
1: Yeah, that was absolutely awful. Um Luton didn't shrink, though, despite it being 4-1 and a bit of a batter, and they, they were still up for it again. It's what I've said already so many times that they, they, they rose to the occasion. You're like, Come on, let's let, let's give it a go. Brighton is still a very good team, despite um, no McAllister, no Moises Casey, though, and all, all the rest of that. Who's but, that? Um, sorry, who's
0: that again? Watch the match of the day <laughs> highlights, and it, it, it looked fair enough. I'm glossing over that one, Ross. You can't <laughs> continue more on him in a little bit but yeah the, the, as you say matoma was looking on fire with his little bit of skill there there was mm-hmm. all the big hitters just were, were doing well for brighton i've got ester needs to come in my fantasy team this week because he was the one i dropped in favor of zinchenko which went very well indeed um you're looking at um uh, ferguson up front as well getting another goal where apparently spurs could be interested in his services maybe replacing harry Kane with one for the future but yeah it's, it's as you were expecting weren't you just looting don't look ready for the Premier League in terms of their squad Brighton one of the more established teams in the league obviously going to be pushing for Europe again you'd think as well as being in Europe this season horses for courses that one par for the course all the courses a three course meal oh. <laughs> tell you what though again like I said
1: watching the highlights of match a of day of this one and from what I saw I was surprised by how good Danny Welbeck
0: looked as well I was like surely he's 45 now he's had a little bit of research he's Brighton, bright now, hasn't he ever since he left Arsenal yeah, yeah. up up the Danny Welbeck up the Danny Welbeck up the Danny Welbeck that guys used to call him in the memes back in the day West Ham United went away to Bournemouth and drew 1-1 it was the first game for Mr. Ariola, how do you pronounce it the Bournemouth manager who got the job because of his brand of football and stuff like that and took gary o'neill out of the hot seat um i don't know what to make about this game the main my main takeaway was the west ham shirt because they're wearing a white away kit but they're both the umbro sponsor and the west ham crest are white as well and the betway sponsor is black so all you can see when you're watching on the telly is betway it's betway united everybody
1: i don't know how they're getting away with that one especially how they're starting to come down a little bit on the sponsorships with betting companies make rain while um, the sun shines yes there we go there we go is that the same (laughs) (laughs) but yeah for the game itself Um, Jared Bowen got a lovely goal Dominic Solanke got a good poachers goal on paper it seems fair I doubt either team will really be gutted by this I think West Ham were probably hoping for a stronger start but one once
0: there, I think they might have been quite pleased with the start, considering all the the the, the rumours of discontent all summer long between David Moyes and the director of football, and no silence being made, and then three mm. or four signings being made at once. I thought they'd be quite satisfied satisfied with the point away from home on the opening day. Mm. Who've they got next? Do you have that to hand at all or should we just deal with that when it we'll comes? We'll deal with that when it happens. I have got West Ham's fixtures in front of me. Arsenal <laughs> 2, Nottingham Forest 1. Looked like it might have been a bit of a cricket score after Brendan Johnson missed that chance. Arsenal then just sort of dominated for a long time. Went at the break 2-0 up and then Nottingham Forest got a goal back and it was as maybe, I think, close than we all expected. I think we're all just talking about either Martinelli's moment of Je ne sais quoi, vavavoom on the pirouette for the first goal, or Saka with the bender in the top corner?
1: It was Martinelli for me. I nearly took off my trousers in the front room. Um, why not? It's my house. <laughs> 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 it was, yeah, I, I, I did think Arsenal looked flat in the second half, but that first half, especially, it was really good. The one who really caught my eye was on the
0: ball anyway. I thought Thomas Partey had a very good game the them um, like trent it's very strange how he's like a, not a, a proper fullback he sort of like tucked in a bit pushed on the yeah. midfield it's it's very trentish from thomas party it, it seemed that everything
1: positive went through him as well and it really stuck out I was like geez, bloody hell I I won't blaspheme go on I'll keep you too happy um obviously the news coming out of it I've seen is that and timber who looked fantastic as well uh, has done his ACL
0: oh gosh that that might be a season that one is it Apparently so, yeah. So What a way to start for a new sign in a new club.
1: um, So that down note aside, yeah, Arsenal look very strong. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll come on to my my season predictions before a ball was kicked in a minute though. Because I (laughs) originally had these finishing
0: third and if they carry on like this, I think they might do better. I know, you you got a scathing comment last week about saying the Reds would finish second.
1: I mean, I don't read the comments. I get called a twat in the privacy of my own home. (laughs) And thank you strangers on the internet telling me this. And that was with my heart, come on. I I did say it was with my heart rather than my head.
0: (laughs) But I think, yeah, Arsenal are going to be closer to Manchester City in the world last season, I think. On Forest, though, I thought they looked really disjointed, which is really weird, considering I think they've made one signing who was in the squad. Um, This summer, Mm -hmm. obviously, after signing, what was it, 23, 24 players last season. They looked really disjointed in the first off. Yeah,
1: the, the, the main thing I've got about Forrest, though, is that I really like their away shirts. So. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's not yeah. slapping for me. It's like Argentina no. on acid, isn't it?
1: <laughs> you say that like it's a bad
0: thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on to Sunday we go, the 13th of August, the birthday, of course, of our Lord and Saviour, Sir Alan Shearer, was born on the 13th of August 1970, so happy birthday, Al. My friend Al, who I've never met. I met him once. Uh, Chelsea won, Liverpool won. I think Liverpool started very well indeed. Then Chelsea, as the game went on, just grew stronger and stronger and stronger, started playing better and better and better football. And I think by you know the balance of play by the end, I think Jürgen's Reds will be very happy with a point.
1: Yes, in, in hindsight, talking about it afterwards, saying, look, coming out of Stanford Bridge with a point is still coming out of Stanford Bridge with a point. When we were on the ball going forward, we looked brilliant in spells. But I think this match both proved why uh, Chelsea and Liverpool are looking to break the bank for a number six. Because as (laughs) soon as... Whatever direction the football went, it just all fell apart. I think we'll be all right for the time being. It all hinges on us getting that number six.
0: Um, Who are the names then? If it's not going to be Caicedo, it's not going to be Lever, who's it going to be? uh, DeCore Going back in for
1: Taram. I know Taram's not like a traditional number six, but can play there. Um, I saw a tweet the other day saying, oh, they, they've uh, gone back to Real Madrid saying, can we have a Chuomeni? And it's like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's like if I split up from a missus and DM Scarlett Johansson saying, go on, I've got an opening here. Do you want, do you want to go? It's not going to happen. Um, for Chelsea, though, I thought uh, uh, Chukwameka, I may have said that wrong, yeah, I thought Chuck he was really good. Uh, Enzo was fantastic. Ben Chilwell had a great battle with Trent. I don't think Trent had a bad game. It was more that we were just exposed by not having a, a DM. And Anthony Taylor is still a crap ref. That,
0: so. <laughs> I would love to see how many kilometers Chilwell got through in that game. Because he didn't even play the full 90, but he never stopped the entire game. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's fantastic. As you say there, I thought Enzo that's the performance we've been waiting for in the Premier League I think from him obviously with the price tag that came with him in January it must be hard when you're that young setting into another new country as he was mm-hmm. doing so He you got a tie and all that I guess but yeah he was he was my man of the match as well as Sky Sports I think so but I thought it was a very entertaining game like
1: yeah um, like I said uh, talking with Megs in the group chat afterwards we went like ah bloody hell we were just like do you know what just put a DM in there and I think we'll be, we'll be sound and that's partly why my terrible uh, prediction of Liverpool finishing second Listen, if we'd got Moises Caicedo and you slotting in there, I don't think anyone would be laughing at me saying we're going to finish second. <laughs> now we'll have to wait and see, but it does hinge on that signing.
0: It does big time. Then before that on Sunday, obviously, we had Brentford 2, Tottenham Hotspur 2, a Desmond 2-2 two, two with your Sunday dinner. I'll have that. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> um, it was a very, very entertaining game of football, as you would expect from a Desmond 2-2. Two, two. I thought Spurs were playing some all right stuff they were keeping the ball very well but a lot of it was side to side which was really frustrating me with you know and like the reputation that Ange Postecoglou Cogley was coming into the club with of playing a nice brand of attacking football I thought Jimmy Madison was maybe their standout player I thought he looked very good indeed but I thought that largely their play was I don't want to say pedestrian but that's the word that's coming to mind
1: well this is one that I caught on Match of the Day too I didn't watch it live and Again, the impression I got from the match, it looked very end-to-end. Uh, Madison's delivery for Romero's goal was gorgeous. But, yeah, it, it didn't look – I don't know if I'm saying it didn't look dynamic, but it didn't look like anything that would get me like, oh, this is this Tottenham team, they are actually going to kick on despite Kane leaving.
0: Yeah, not like you were in 2015
1: when Jürgen arrived and you
0: like, yeah, heavy metal, oh, rock on, baby.
1: All that Ross, yes, that's exactly <laughs> what I did with my friends. We all rang each other and just went, eee. Yeah,
0: rock and roll. Oh, that's the wrong thing, cowabunga, dudes. Anyway, yeah, good point, I think, for Spurs on the road because obviously Brentford well established now in the Premier League. Obviously going to miss Ivan Tony, I think, in Burmo yeah. had a couple of big chances that he spurned, but that's why he does best.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought um, again from what I saw from the highlights, but Mickey Van Der Ven looked very shaky for Tottenham. But he only, again, he only he's, signed he's, he's, a few
0: days before the game, though. I think it was a bit a bit hard to throw him straight in there for me.
1: Yeah, he needs the bed in definitely. But um, decent player from what I've seen. But this wasn't baptism of fire, I think, as the yeah, kids like to say.
0: What do you make about Romero? He looked at really. Yeah. he Obviously went went in with his head for the goal. Got a little bit of a concussion protocol. Put on his ass. Better safe than sorry sort of vibes. He wasn't happy with it.
1: No, and you kind of want to see that from your players that you? you do want to see the fire you want to see them be like nah I'm alright to stay on the pitch etc we, we saw it with Salah getting really furious that is a streak of scoring on the opening day every season has been ended Um it's concussions are nothing to be to sniff at I think I've had four in my life and they're very horrible Um there's it's why I'm saying that my memory's terrible because I've taken so many <laughs> smashes to the head but uh yeah the bad I, I don't mind that protocol I'd rather see players getting protected especially if the games are going to go longer and longer and longer yeah get them off the pitch
0: I think this might have been the most egregious example of stoppage time used at the weekend the first half obviously because of Romero in part but obviously the goals as well accounting for every little second that was stopped Entire through the entire first half 11 minutes of stoppage time in that first half at the, the G Tech Community Stadium
1: what do you make of what's in this game? Uh, yeah, when Vicario got uh, straight yellow for delaying the spot kick.
0: I, I think they're taking it a bit too far with certain examples of thro- uh, throwing a yellow card out because there was two examples this weekend. One was Bruno, I think, in the Newcastle game where he went like that after someone did a bit of a naughty tackle. Then he ended up with a yellow card for doing that. I think it's... what McAllister got the same. It feels like we're changing the rules for changing the rules' sakes. And especially yeah. with this, this two people in the dugout thing, I was watching that Arsenal game, obviously the first game of the season, or, well, the first game of the Saturday, sorry, looking for this um, new rule to come out and see what's going to happen. The Arsenal technical area was always had two people at the front of it. Newcastle's always had two at the front of it. Unai Emery was like, good evening. And I was like, just going like, look, there's two of them there, fourth official, do something about it. It just feels like we're changing the rules for changing the rules sakes at the minute.
1: Yeah, I, I don't agree with that one. And we said before, referees do deserve protection. But they also need to be held accountable. Like with the, you're saying with Bruno, I don't like seeing that stuff. And it's
0: not a yellow well, card, to, though, is it? It's not that severe, is it, going like that? I know it shouldn't do it because it's a bit of un, ungentlemanly conduct and stuff like that, but it's not a yellow card offense, surely.
1: Yeah, especially with um, some players who English is their second language, it could be a break, like the easiest way to get their point across. It's the fact that we can't have conversations anymore. The referee's just like, nope. And it's like, hmm. I- don't like that it's given them too much power about making them explain their actions, which we'll come on to later. Don't worry about yes, that. Yes,
0: we will. We might as well talk about it now because on Monday night, obviously Monday night football, Manchester United got very lucky indeed in their 1-0 victory over Wolverhampton Wanderers, who I think upset a lot of detractors by playing a very, very good game under Gary O'Neill.
1: Yeah, again, a little peek behind the curtain, how the sausage is made when we were... Um, sorting out when we were recording today I, I messaged Ross just saying look I need to catch up with my new game and I think I'm going to censor myself here but you basically said Man United were poo Wolves were robbed basically of a point at least um, they should, yeah they should have
0: got a couple of goals yeah and then obviously the big talking point is at the end of the game Onana goes up for a ball into the box he clatters into Sasa I'm going to butcher this Kaladzic I think I've said that correctly, and obviously referee Simon Hooper was referred to the pitch side monitor by the VAR people at Stockley Park, but surprisingly, he stood by his initial decision instead of awarding a visit uh, by not awarding the visitors a penalty, essentially. So he was told to go to the thing to have a second look and he said no, and I don't think that's right at all. I think if if people are saying go and have a look, they should be forced to go and have a look.
1: Yeah. Exactly. It's um, This was the only thing I'd seen before watching the highlights today because it was obviously all over social media and it was, it was a terrible error by the keeper. Uh, and this is obviously coming on the back of the Everton game as well where the keeper dropped the ball and Everton were robbed of a goal, which I thought was a mistake by the refs as well. And we can't even go one weekend in the new league without questioning the refs. Mm. It's... Wolves were robbed of a penalty. Um, Whether they would have converted it, who's to say? But if I was a Wolves fan, I'd be feeling really angry about this.
0: Yeah, Gary O'Neill was speaking about it in his post-match press conference and he revealed the PGMOLs. Jonathan Moss had already apologised to him by the time he was doing his post-match press conference, like 20 minutes after the full-time whistle. And there, apparently, uh, Jonathan Moss said Wolves should have been awarded a penalty kick away at Old Trafford but it's the old adage isn't it the away teams don't get them but if the same thing happened for the home team the referee would have been blown straight away I think I read as well that Simon Hooper and his two officials uh linesmen sorry have been dropped to the championship for the for this weekend's game so one mess up and you're gone
1: yeah but Wolves don't care about that because they'll be back soon it's like I've said a thousand times and I'll keep saying it on blue in the face at the end of the game you should have someone involved with the referee's team, maybe not the referee or the linesman, but someone from the team to explain their decisions rather than either having Howard Webb occasionally saying, We gave this one offside because he was five foot offside, or having, you know, Mark Plattenberg all retired being like, Oh, well, for me, that's bad. We just, it's, it's lines of communication. Even if they come out and say, Take accountability for it, it you'd be less annoyed. But it's the fact that we don't, have this clarity It's just just annoys everyone
0: it does it does I'm giving you one of them because that was a fantastic run. anyway on to the transfer news of the last week obviously this last seven days of seeing Bayern Munich complete the long awaited signing of Harry Kane from Tottenham Hotspur, the 30-year-old to a 30 year old decided a four year contract with the Bundesliga Giants bringing this curtain down on his glittering Spurs career that saw him usurp Jimmy Greaves as the club's all time record goal scorer, Bayern will obviously pay 100 million euros 86.4 million British pounds for Harry Kane, but the deal could be worth more with add-ons, Harry Kane ends his career, or maybe for the time being we should say, he always come back couldn't he, uh, It's probably record three 320 appearances, 213 goals in the Premier League. There, uh, 46 assists as well. 280 goals in all competitions for Spurs. Obviously, their most of all time. He's got three golden boots in the Premier League for the 15, 16, 16, 17, and 20 and 21 seasons. And he's done all right, Annie. He? He's done okay.
1: How many goals was he off breaking Shearer's record now?
0: 47, if my memory serves. So I take it you're very happy. I'm not. A... <laughs> It is what it is. Newcastle fans are having fun with it. Alan Shearer is having fun with it. Records are there to be broken. I mean, yeah. it's nice to see them broken, isn't it, when you're alive? <laughs> yeah. That's a very morbid thing to say. Imagine being dead and then, oh, Harry Kane breaks the record. It means nothing to you, does it? Well,
1: yeah, that's true. I, I mean, if there is an afterlife and I'm floating there as a, girl, as a ghost, I'd be like, Oh, I wish I, I wish I was still alive to see these records broken. <laughs> um, we've been saying for weeks on the podcast now that we kind of expected this to happen I think it's a good move for all involved maybe not Tottenham but we'll see how they, if they properly reinvest in this one
0: yeah I just, I just don't know I just I can see the obviously the appeal of wanting to win trophies and maybe having a better shot at the Champions League but surely if you're an Englishman playing in the Premier League for your home like your, you know your team essentially breaking that all-time Premier League record is going to mean more than a Bundesliga if you don't go on and win the Champions League
1: yeah, um, again, I'm gonna have to censor myself because I know what YouTube's like. But I saw a tweet saying, um, "Winning your first trophy with Bayern Munich is like losing your virginity to a uh, a lady of the night."
0: I see what you're saying. Yeah,
1: yeah. So um, good for him. You know, he, he, there is a sadness in his eyes when you look at it. <laughs> <isn't
0: there? laughs> That's what Kayla was saying next door. There, when he was, there was that video of him walking up the. Um the stairs into the Allianz Arena and they're playing the Champions League theme and he's with his wife and his kids and like, oh, those poor kids getting taken away from their friends at school just to go to Germany so his dad can win a trophy. Do
1: <laughs> you reckon the whole family will move out there full time or? I don't know how it works. He would assume so. I don't know. Yeah, because I'm not, I'm not too sure because obviously Rafa Benitez's family always just stayed in West Kirby wherever he was working and with it not being that far away England from Germany, you'd assume he'd have a gaff in Germany and come back whenever he can. I don't know. we will have to see. give him a phone call, see what's happening.
0: Yeah. Like, boy, All right, Harry. How's hey, it going? You
1: Yes. Yes, Harold. How's your brother?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, Harry Kane had his first chance to win a major trophy for Bayern Munich on Saturday night, but they lost a 3-0 defeat to RB Leipzig in the German Super Cup at their home stadium as well. <laughs> Uh, which makes it's, you think that maybe Harry Kane's the issue, that England couldn't go on and win the trophies. So he's been involved in the World Cups and the Euros as well. Spurs have won sweet bugger all since he's been there. Maybe it's Harry Kane who's the issue.
1: Well, yeah, luckily now Harry Kane plays for Germany because that's how it works. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's like someone said, it's it's the the level of expectation at Bayern Munich that they don't win this you know, Super Cup and they're just saying oh heads may roll for this they need 100% perfection and stuff um, I wonder what kind of player will Kane be in this new league then coming into a new team will he see this as like right I've got to step up and I'm going to lead by example kind of thing or do you think the occasion could get to him we don't know until we're well, halfway through the season, at the
0: very least. I think you will be fine. I just think it was a bit of an off day for Bayern Munich. But only time will tell, will it Jackens. He's there to replace Lewandowski, obviously. Obviously, he went for Barcelona uh, last year. So mm. he's got that to live up to. And all the best to him, because Lewandowski did all right, didn't he, for Bayern Munich? <laughs> he
1: was quite good, yeah. He, he, was, he was all right.
0: All right. Uh, one highlight of the game, obviously, I think everyone's probably seen this on social media, was uh, the, the, the Bayern players moaning at the referee for a decision he gave. Harry Kane runs over and sort of goes... <laughs> and then remembers he can't he can only speak one word of german which i think was hello uh, survey or something which means hello in German. I forget what he said in that press conference. I was going
1: say hello in German is just hello.
0: <laughs> was it higher? Maybe it was. It was like because I thought he was on about our oh, service. Is it service? Survey. I remember thinking like, oh, it must mean like you know, I want a ball at the box for me to stick me bonds hmm. on for a goal, like service or something like whatever it was. He only knows one word in German as when this game was taking place. Uh, the referee, uh, the German word for referee, I should say, the masculine version, just to get that right as well. Is shy, shy stricter, shy stricter. Go and give it a go, Jackins. You can see it in front of you, can't you? Uh, shy stricter, shy stricter. So imagine that with Harry Kane's lisp. He's not got a hope in hell, has he? Bless his cotton socks. <laughs> <laughs> I feel terrible for doing that, but there we go. We were all thinking it. I know, we've went and said it. Anyway, <laughs> on to Saudi Arabia corner, everybody. This one's a painful one because go back a few years and uh, Americ Laporte was one of, if not the standout central defender in the Premier League. But now at the age of 29, the Spanish at the National is going to Saudi Arabia to Al Nasser. Ronaldo's team for a two-year contract and open to the possibility of more. Manchester City, for some reason, are willing to sell Um I don't know how many centre-halves they've got on the books, but you would assume they would probably need someone like Laporte fighting on four fronts every single season.
1: Yeah, because it's the old cliche, isn't it, that now it's it's not just a team game, it's a squad game and I still think Laporte can go as well. It's not even like he, he's some kind of knackered old husband. It's like, oh, go on, get, get paid for a couple of glory years in Saudi Arabia. 29-year-old... That's, that's like the prime
0: age, really, for starting back isn't it? Yeah, and he was, as I say, one of the standouts. You go back to maybe pre-lockdown, he was one of the standouts, was he? Maybe post-lockdown oh, as well. Probably, obviously, yeah. he's lost his place to Stones and uh, Diaz is the, the favourite parent, I would say, for Pep at the moment when Stones is available. Um, and obviously, Gavardial coming in maybe puts him as fourth choice. But being fourth choice Manchester City, you're still going to get at least 30 games a season, you'd think.
1: Exactly, yeah. Has, has this deal actually gone through now? Or Not is he... officially,
0: but they're pushing, apparently so by the time this is out we don't know. He could be there. Next up in Saudi Arabia corner, Al Hilal have confirmed the signing of superstar forward Neymar from Paris Saint Germain for a fee of around 90 million euros, which is 77.6 British pounds for the 31-year-old, bringing an end to a six-year stay in Paris. For Neymar, he's put pen to paper on a two-year deal in Saudi Arabia and has picked the number 10 jersey to wear at Al Hilal, the league one club. Of course, back in 2017, made Neymar the most expensive player of all time signed him for £190 million from Barcelona uh, he won five league uns in Paris but struggled to make I, I couldn't believe this when I read this one I'll read it out word for word so I'll get it right he struggled to make um, a number of appearances through muscle injuries which made him fail to make more than 22 league appearances in any of his six campaigns with the club 22 appearances was the most he played in every single season he was there
1: yeah, um, I'm surprised he stayed there for as long as he did because it it almost felt like as soon as he signed for PSG, he was looking to be like, uh, "Can someone get me kind of out of this league?" I'm kind of open to offers. Uh, I don't know if his reputation of being not a troublemaker but a bit of a disruptive influence kind of stopped him getting a move out of the league. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he's 31 as well. In my head, he was still in his 20s. He's one of those evergreen players. Um. It's a shame, isn't it? Because I, I felt like he, he still had more to offer despite his muscle injuries. He's still yeah. a great player,
0: isn't he, Mark? He is, yeah. You just see that every time a World Cup comes around. I remember thinking just the, the shock and horror of that move to Paris Saint-Germain initially because he's leaving Barcelona. He was leaving that front three of him, Messi and Suarez to go to Paris yeah. Saint-Germain, which I think tells you more about him than anything else. Why would you leave that to go to Paris Saint-Germain? But that was, again, mm. back in 2017. So I guess... We're all over it now, aren't we? Maybe I'm just not. I miss those days.
1: <laughs> as, for, as for why he went to Saudi Arabia, did you see the clip of Fabinho that was doing the rounds?
0: The Rolex. Yeah, a fan gave him
1: a Rolex for playing well.
0: Was It, a, it was a journalist, wasn't it? Which makes it even worse, it? in my opinion. In, in an impartial journalist. <laughs> Even that, you know,
1: we're, we're technically journalists and I haven't even got enough for a Rolex for myself, never mind somebody who had a good game of footy.
0: If you do want to send us a Rolex, the uh, the Cultaholic office address is on cultaholic.com, so please send us a Rolex and nothing less. um Thank you. Neymar... Yeah, two, please. Uh, Neymar <laughs> will be able to afford a few Rolexes in his time for Saudi Arabia. Where, by the way, he's going to be playing alongside the likes of Kaladu Koulibaly, former Chelsea fame in Napoli, uh, Ruben Neves, uh, Milinkovic Savic, and Malcolm as well. Didn't realise Malcolm was there. But yeah. there is a list of benefits for this deal which has been really revealed, which if, you, if you're feeling a bit queasy, turn the podcast off now because this will make you vomit. So... As well as receiving a salary of €100 million per year, Neymar will receive, inclusive of the deal, a house with 25 bedrooms, a 40 times 10-metre swimming pool and three saunas, five full-time staff all paid for at his house, a Bentley Continental GT, an Aston Martin DBX, a Lamborghini Huracan, a 24-hour driver service, once again, all paid for, All bills for hotels, restaurants and various services during his off days will be sent to the club headquarters to be paid for. Once again, not by him on his 100 million years salary plus boot deals and other sponsorship thingies. A private plane... At his disposal for his travels, if he fancies a jaunt back to Brazil at 11pm at night, he can hire or just ask his driver service to take him down to the airport and his uh, private plane will fly him there whenever he wants to. He will receive €500,000 for each social media post that promotes Saudi Arabia and that's, I think that's enough.
1: Wow. The two things that don't make sense to me there and don't make sense to me when hearing about the lifestyles of the rich and the famous, who needs a 25-bedroom house? I know footballers, I'm not saying Neymar does, but I know some footballers like a, a good old-fashioned orgy, but even then, you don't need 25 bedrooms. Well, Neymar does when his sister's all... involved. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, and they've given them, they've given them these supercars and be like, ah, oh, you've got these cool cars, but you've also got a driver, so just look at the cars if you You don't even have to drive
0: yeah. What's the point of having a car that quick anyway when the law is a thing? We can all go 30 miles an hour, no quicker. You know, you know what I mean? 70 on the motorways, we can't go any quicker. What's the point of having a supercar?
1: Perhaps he's going to get it taken to Germany and he's just going to go down those German <laughs> roads at 400 miles an hour.
0: I'm sure he'll pack his car and himself into his private jet to fly there whenever he wants to. <laughs> anyway, it's disgusting and all the best to him for being able to get that sort of deal signed off. I just, I actually feel a bit sick now. Anyway, Chelsea have announced the British record transfer of Moises Caicedo from Brighton Hove Albion at moving for around £150 million, which surpasses the £106.8 million which was spent on Enzo Fernandez in January of this year. 21-year-old Caicedo has signed an eight-year contract at Stamford Bridge until 2031. Caicedo only joined Brighton in 2021 for as little as £4 million and spent part of his first year yeah, with the club, which, by the way, was in 2021, just two years ago, part of his first year, unloaded Beer Schott in Belgium, which is a very powerful name for a football team. Who'd you play for, Beer <laughs> Um,
1: yeah, this has been a protracted deal, hasn't it, Russ? <laughs> As a Liverpool fan, how are you feeling? On Friday, my head went. I'm not afraid to say it. My head completely went. Um. I don't know what we're playing at, because we've. There's some people saying that we may have been played by the agent, because they were waiting for. Because obviously Chelsea were rumbling on and rumbling on and rumbling on. So some people may have thought that, oh, let's give a little message to Liverpool saying, hey, put on a put on a bed for like Casado, we'll come to you. And obviously after he signed for Chelsea, there was that nice video of him and I think his mum and a flashback to him back in the day wearing a Chelsea shirt. Yeah, I've seen who his heroes are though.
0: What was he's, that? So he's got two. He's got two proper Chelsea heroes from his youth, and they are Robert Huth and Yuri Arasich. Robert Huth. I've just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an article that was like Moises Caicedo reveals his two heroes from Chelsea from his youth. And I'm just like, oh, let's just let's just say it's Yuri Arisic, the lanky ball prick, and also Robert Huth, who was also you know there. <laughs> but um, is he
1: worth 115? No, but like we've said many times, the market dictates that how how much they go for. Um, we've seen it with Declan Rice, and like you said before, Enzo as well has kind of distorted the midfielder market in this country. So he's worth as much as anyone's willing to pay for him. He's a really good player. I think he would have, as we saw at the weekend, he would have definitely made a difference to both teams. Liverpool have been played. We've also now played our hand. Um, some people are reckoning that we only put in that bid just to kind of mess with Chelsea because our owners are fuming with them. Apparently, we've gone to the FA to grasp them up for saying we spent a billion
0: pounds. Sort of. Um, yeah, but they're doing it within the rules, though. Exactly. Until, and- until until my mate Owen did a video last night, which is on the channel now. If you want a full deep dive, but I was reading many articles to try and make sense of how they're doing it, and basically, a cha- it's like it's like before Christ and after Christ it's like before the rule change and after the rule change they've got half the pot money they spent or not half over half the pot is spent before the rules were changed and then this summer's transfer dealings in the pot when the legislation's changed so all these deals are either split over eight years or over five years it's wonderful how they're doing it but they are going to get a massive fine if they don't get back into europe this season and also sort out multiple revenue streams for the club it's wonderful how they're doing it
1: as you've seen, I've taken my hat off to Todd Bowley because he's played some absolutely insane chess here. Um, I am worried for this, though, because it sets a bad precedent because either Chelsea get, like you said, absolutely buggered and, you know, it, who, who knows how bad this could be if it doesn't play off and or it does pay off and that opens the floodgates for even more stupid amounts of money to change hands in this league. And, you know... We saw Nottingham Forest spending absolutely mentally last season. Who used to say that there isn't a team that will follow Chelsea's advice and might end up in absolute trouble, liquidation, all that kind of stuff? Um, it all
0: depends. Like like I said, I, a big part of it as well was saleable assets. Like you think about the amount of players that Chelsea have sold, they've recouped about 250 to 300 million pounds on player sales alone, which has helped buy a, 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 it's I think I read somewhere as well if you chart. Times that by five, that's basically what you can spend within the rules or something. Something like that, it all plays into a big pie, a big yeah. mathematical pie. So the fact they've managed to like recoup, for example, a 60 million profit on Mason Mount, who was a youth academy product, they've managed to get their money back exactly for Havertz, they've made profits on other players. The amount of players they've sold has actually really helped them out. in the, Again, but it's the short term. If they don't get back into Europe this season, then the season after when the accounts are fouled, that's where they're really going to get buggered. Hopefully. It is... It's- <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's proper maverick behaviour and yeah, but, but like I said th- there is a part of me that's, I don't think envious is the word, but just
0: being like it'd oh, be, be nice to just go balls to the wall But It does make you I wonder think- though because I'm sat here as a Newcastle fan with the richest owners in the world wondering mm. why aren't we doing something similar. I know we have no saleable assets in our squad currently we're having to give players away for basically what their contracts are worth. Like Leeds took Carl Darlow who I think maybe we could have pushed for five million for Carl Darlow, but we gave him away for 400 grand because that's what is what was remaining on his contract. We'll have, yeah. We have no saleable assets, which makes me think that might be the reason we're not doing it. But then again, if we're going to get all these revenue streams from these Saudi Arabian companies that are made up out of nowhere, like Seller, our front of shirt sponsors that was created a matter of months before they were on the front of our shirts, why aren't we doing it? There's something not adding up with it for me as a Newcastle fan.
1: Yeah. Well, like I said, the, to use the word envious isn't really the point, but it's just. I know that Liverpool fans we like to moan, and there are plenty of teams who have got it worse than we have. But like someone said, we're we are one of the biggest clubs in the world. We should be able to just flash the cash and spend. And like we said, we've, we've shown our hand now by trying to bid a hundred and I think it was hundred and eleven. We bid for Caicedo. Because I think the um, the thing going on the grapevine was, oh, Chelsea can only spend 105 million. So if you pip him to it, then it's a big two fingers to him and you get the player. Um, I think, yeah, it, that's... I don't know if I can say good signing in terms of the money that's gone out, but in terms of the player that they're bringing in and the role he'll fill for Chelsea, good bit of business.
0: Yeah, it is good. I think it is a good bit of business. It'll pay itself off eventually maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. On top of that, Chelsea are believed to have activated the release clause of Michael Lillise and it is expected to be uh, all completed in due course. £35 million this one, the 21-year-old is currently recovering from injury. I'm intrigued to say, see where this one, where he'll fit into the start of 11 because they started obviously with a, a bit, it was like a 3-4-3 three, three, come 5-3-2 sort of formation. No real mm-hmm. space for a winger in there. Maybe he can just play off Jackson and just be a floater up the top of the pitch just being here, then everywhere. But it's an interesting Signing for me, Alise.
1: Yeah, and the profile as well. It seems that they are buying very young as well. Um, so I don't know what kind of deal he's on, but I, I assume it's, again, another eight-year will pay you out the arse kind of
0: thing. Do you reckon they're doing Is, that it, just in case they don't get in Europe and then have to sell the saleable assets again just to balance the sheets, balance the books?
1: Potentially, but I don't know. It's, a, it's, it's weird, isn't it? I, I don't think an eight-year contract should be it just doesn't seem right, considering that could be someone's entire career. Mm.
0: Mm. But they have to sign it, don't they? They don't have to sign it. Yeah, that's true. It is true. Uh, more good news for Liverpool. Chelsea finalised an agreement with Southampton signed sign Romeo Lavia. Um, why didn't Liverpool just give them fifty million when they wanted fifty million? Why, why is it why has it gone this far? They bid sixty yesterday, didn't Liverpool before this all came out?
1: Apparently, yeah. And Lavia said no, and I can't blame him. We've dicked him around um, I can't blame him at all um, I we were the the kind of rationale behind this again this is plucked out of the air this isn't an official line from Liverpool or anything people were thinking that we were kind of going a bit slow because either this Casado deal was up in the air with Chelsea we'd head stuff through the grapevine I thought, if we keep this slow if there's an opening there we go in for the big hitter but um, we've shot ourselves right in the cock um, <laughs> it's the only thing I don't understand is if you were Lavia and seeing that they've just signed Caicedo, why why would you sign? Because
0: um, they, play, they play three in the middle, don't they? They love Enzo and then Caicedo and then Lavia will be there for the third. Yeah,
1: I suppose. But
0: I guess he's only nineteen as well, so I guess not playing every week isn't that crucial when you're nineteen. That's that from my perspective. I wouldn't mind being a bench warmer at nineteen, learning yeah. from these established pros on the pitch. Like 21 year old Moises Caicedo. But
1: when my my head fell off on Friday, I was going berserk to some of my mates. I was like, why, if you were given the chance to play with Jurgen Klopp's Mustard Reds, where you're a guaranteed starter every week, why would you go to absolutely mental, no Europe Chelsea, ran by a lunatic and a manager who never won anything? My head went completely out the window. I'm not afraid to say it. And I've calmed down now. And I can't blame either of them for signing their deals. I hope they make a lot of money, but I also hope that they are crap and we can buy them both for 20p next season.
0: (laughs) But apparently that's a big part of it as well, this entire FFP dodging, uh, is the fact that you like your mounts and your Havertis and your whoever else... Ziyech is leaving today, isn't mm. he? He's going to... Uh, no, he's going to Turkey, isn't he? He's going to Ferdobaccio, Galatasaray, one of the two, I can't remember. Uh, all those players are on massive wages in comparison to what Caicedo and Lavier and people like that are getting. So that's another another thing that Todd's doing well. Up the Todd. I'm not
1: up in the Todd. No, I'm not. I can't do
0: it. <laughs> he's an evil genius. Um, as is Kepa Arezabalaga from Chelsea because he's going somehow to Real Madrid. I think he is comfortably... The worst keeper in the Premier League. I think he's <laughs> absolutely putrid. But because Thibaut Courtois got an ACL injury last week, obviously he's going to be out for a while, as is Militao, I think, who went down with the same injury in the same game. Uh, they were looking for, to get uh, Bono, I think, in from Sevilla, um, but that hmm. didn't happen. So they've gone for Kepa. <laughs> he's terrible. He's awful. He's the worst. Yeah. Why is he I, going I to didn't... Madrid?
1: I didn't realise what was going on because obviously, when Chelsea announced the lineups the other day, I was like, I don't recognise who that subkeeper is. What's going on here? Um, on a slight aside, the amount of players going down to ACL injuries is a bit mad at the moment. I don't know if this is an early sign that players are playing too much. Who knows? Um, but good for Kepa, He's managed to find himself at Real Madrid, where if that midfield you know, performs like that midfield will he probably won't have to face a single shot on target all season so he might get by by the skin of his team
0: he'll face one and it'll fly in I mean this is the most egregious signing they've made since Julian Forber no doubt about it yeah. do you remember that period of time when they were signing Forber and Adebayor and people like that
1: this is they've worse uh, than good old Thomas Gravison as well
0: the mad bastard. He's one of my favourite players. In just reading stories about him. Anyway, David Ray has gone from Brentford to Arsenal on initial season-long loan with the option uh, for a £30 million transfer next summer. You'd assume he's going to start on the bench waiting for Ramsdale to drop a bollock, which we know he can't do, and that's when he'll get his chance. Do you think that by the end of the season Ray will be number one and Ramsdale number two?
1: Potentially, yeah, because we were talking about this on last week's episode weren't we? Because it hadn't gone through then, but it looked like it was happening. Um it's, it's a wait-and-see approach, because like you said, Ramsdale is rash, but I would feel bad for him if he did lose his place, because I do think he is a good keeper. Um, all the chatter I've seen is most people expect Raya to get the number one shirt.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind it if Ramsdale lost it, him coming to Newcastle. Because well, God bless Nick Pope, he's fantastic, but he can't kick a football to save his life. <laughs> would, would you take
1: Ramsdale over Pope? Oh,
0: yeah, I think he's just as good as Stopper, and he's also got the, you know... He's a bit better with his feet than Nick Purpose. He's not the best, but I think, you know, you go back to... Remember the the outlook of Ramsdale after that Liverpool draw at Anfield in mm. the spring? Everyone was saying, wow, he's finally arrived as one of the world's great goalkeepers. Obviously, he made a couple of clangers. I think at Brighton to home is one of the most obvious ones. Uh, West Ham away, I think he could have done better with one of their goals as well. But it's it's a rapid sort of, like, decline in terms of people's outlook on on Aaron Ramsdale for me. Yeah? Yeah the spring to the end of the season feels like just everyone's gone we don't fancy him anymore (laughs) (laughs) because remember everyone's going oh he should be taking Jordan Pickford's spot in the England team I think I still I still think that should be the case anyway Um, but yeah it just feels like a couple of clangers not really not massive in terms of what they were going for in the league and whatnot yeah maybe they were massive ones but they weren't like Massimo Taibi levels of clanger they were still pretty big (laughs) but not that big and it just feels like everyone just doesn't fancy him anymore it's very strange
1: well, like like it seems, that, that shirt is his until he absolutely drops a bollock. Um, I wonder if he is noticing this as well. Um, perhaps Arteta is playing, again, a, a game of 4D chess and thinking, if I bring in Raya, it's a win-win situation because either he books his ideas up and fights for, the, for those gloves and keeps the shirt, or
0: I just throw Raya in these costs. You've nailed it on the head. Uh, 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 all I hope is that Win the Dog is happy. I'm a big fan of Win the Dog. You seen the dog called Win? You've told me about Win the Dog, yeah. He lives at the Arsenal training ground. Chocolate Labrador, might be a she. A she now I've said it. I do beg my pardon. Win the Dog, fantastic. Has a throne. Probably
1: eats better than we do as well.
0: Yep, will do. Uh, Harry Maguire's mm. proposed transfer to West Ham has collapsed. Uh, Man United initially rejected a 30 million bid from West Ham over concerns about their sort of um, their ability to satisfy the centre-backs wage demands, only to agree a deal, and then that's now just not happened. <laughs> Where does this leave Harry Maguire? Because over the past season, he's lost his place in the Man United team. He's been stripped of the captaincy. He's nearly agreed to move to another team, and now he's going back to the team that just basically doesn't, doesn't clearly doesn't want him.
1: Well Ten yeah, Ten hard clearly just thinks he's crap, doesn't he? Um going off the notes here.
0: What's happening here? Oh he's pulled his microphone cable out. My cable fell out. What a dickhead. <laughs> Why are you why are you, you got you've got a desk there today?
1: I have got a desk here today, but last week my back was in absolute tatters. So I'm still figuring everything out. We were having a little conversation before we start recording. I'm going to try and get a better mic. Um, so for today, it's you should see the state of it. It looks absolutely terrible. Although the you know the surroundings look fancy underneath here, it's the trampiest setup you've ever seen. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know where Maguire's has gone because according to the notes saying it, it's it's a kind of a it's a wage demand issue. And it's like he's not kind of taken the hint, is what the best I can say.
0: Well, he's so far up his own arse, I don't think his ears work anymore. They're just covered in flesh from his yeah, rectal cause... cavity. I don't know what. to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, because what was it that he's um, basically saying, oh, well, because I'm going to be, you know, uh, losing out on wages, mind you, do you want to give me like a, a golden handshake? And they're just like, no, you're losing wages because we think you're crap. We're not going to give you the money. No, just accept it. He's probably already on a stupid amount of money and going down on lesser wages at West Ham is still more than you and I will probably earn in a decade, a week. Yeah, so sodden.
0: Yes, yeah, He's up. I just don't like him. I don't like anything about Harry Maguire anymore. Even though he's been one of England's standout players over the past five years, but that's besides the point. And finally, we've got to mention Kylian Mbappe because it looked like being the biggest transfer saga of the summer a few weeks ago. He'd been cast out at Paris Saint-Germain. Now, all of a sudden, he's back in. He was. Uh, he's back in first-team training after what they've put as constructive and positive discussions regarding his future. And Mbappe has re- reiterated his desire to stay at Paris Saint-Germain beyond his uh, beyond this summer despite not taking up the option to trigger a clause in his contract that would extend it until the summer of 2025. Obviously, Paris Saint-Germain had accepted the world record offer of £257 million from Al-Hilal, uh, but that didn't come to fruition. And now he's back. He's, got, he's going to Japan after they refused to uh, like select him for the Tour of Japan. It's all come to a horrible, just damp squib of an ending. That didn't sound like English, did it? A damp squib of an ending.
1: I wonder if Neymar going has changed his mind. And now, you know, without Neymar, without Messi there, even though he pretty much was the top dog, he is now the undisputed top dog. he probably get a bit more power and a bit more say over whatever goes on at the club. yeah, I'm surprised he's staying. He'll probably end up at Real Madrid next season, only so. Yeah, he probably
0: will do. And that is it yeah. for all the big transfer dealings of the last seven days. It's been another busy week in the world of football. We now move on, though, to our highlight of the week. And Jack Atkins, for my highlight of the week, I want you to explain to the good people at home the very concept of Weatherspoons over here in the UK.
1: So Weatherspoons is run by a horrible man, but it is... I'm pretty sure the business model is it's a cheap pub, basically. I'm sure the business model is they buy beer from breweries that's just about to expire so they get it for cheaper, therefore they can sell it for cheaper than the going great and they do cheap food and you get people in there from 9am till 9pm and it's a
0: bit grim, but it's spoons. It's cheap and that's the most important thing. Basically, it's not Mm. the sort of place you'll ever expect to see a Premier League footballer, never mind someone like Sandro Tonali, but in weatherspoon's gosforth just outside of newcastle there one of the two weatherspoons in gosforth i'm not sure which one there was a sign on the table which read weatherspoon this table is reserved from 1945 for Tonali. if you would like to reserve a table please speak to a member of staff or contact us on blah 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 phone number and then all of a sudden the man himself has turned up to weatherspoons in gosforth It's clear for all to see what has happened here is that Sandro Tonali has asked the dressing room at Newcastle United, lads, where's a good spot to eat in town? Where would you recommend I would go for a meal with my good lady for a nice night out in Newcastle upon Tyne? And Jacob Murphy, the little scamp, I can see it being him with his big smile. I can see it being him with his massive mouth going, oh, you should try out this lovely five-star restaurant called Weatherspoons. And Sandro Tonali has taken the bait and he's gone to Weatherspoons for a nice little (laughs) meal. It is an unbelievable story. I can't believe it's happened. He's gone from Milan to Weatherspoons, and that is my highlight of the week.
1: It, any word on if it was beer and a burger night or curry club or anything, or I was it just know. a normal night in spoons?
0: I don't know. It could have been the curry club night. Could have been well, the steak club night. Could have been well. What other nights are there if Weatherspoons of a week? Is it just curry and steak? I I've, I've not. I've not been for years. And when I go. I get. I get the three for twelve pound business. That's where I'm at. All in. in terms of not, we we share it with my girlfriend. Obviously, I'm not I'm not that fat. I'm not that fat. I am quite fat though. But yeah, you get three for twelve. I always go at the chick, chicken wings, chicken bites, and maybe some halloumi fries. The dipping sauces mm. are delightful. They do this honey hickory barbecue thing. What lovely!
1: I think the last time I was in a Weatherspoons spoons, it was pre pandemic, and my mate Phil was that pissed that he had three dinners in one day. <laughs> uh... <laughs> but yeah because I, I saw this doing the rounds and at first it was just the picture of the table with reserved for Tonali and I thought, oh, it's either a prank or someone's phoned up as a joke said, oh, to save it for Tonali and then you sent us the full thing with the picture of him in there with fans
0: and you love to see it, don't you? You do, it's the common touch it's Rajar Kipling, it's Des Lyle it's all that sort of stuff once again bringing a tear to my <laughs> eye um, but I think the biggest shame is that Tonali doesn't have like, it didn't put on Instagram I should say, his table number so people could have sent him drinks it's always that's that's one thing I've never used my YouTube fame for is doing that. And I always wish I did, I could do, but I always feel bad.
1: You say that we just asked for free Rolexes ten <laughs> minutes ago.
0: <laughs> but it's different putting your table number on Twitter and going buy me what you want. I'd be, it would it would end terribly for me, I think. Yeah,
1: it will yeah, because... Um, I've seen you a bottle of wine deep not being able to comprehend that my name was Clyde so, uh,
0: <laughs> I just meant in terms of maybe milk and roast potatoes coming to the table or something like that
1: I'd love that, as, as, as the straight edge boy at of the office, be like, oh yeah get, buy me milk and uh, roast potatoes well and next uh,
0: week after our meal out we're going to go to Weatherspoons and put our table numbers on Instagram or something like that and see what happens whoa, tell you what <laughs> what's your highlight of the week it's um it was originally going to be twat of the week
1: because when it happened i, I called all involved knobheads but then i was just laughing at it and it was uh roy hodgson uh 245 years old um last week i think he turned 76 didn't he yeah uh ready to fight 26 year old max Lowe during, during fulham's game the other day so if you didn't see it max Lowe, the ball went out max Lowe went to get it roy was trying to pick it up as well and it looks like Lowe's just kind of like swiped him out the way and just like dug him in the stomach. And Roy was ready to fight him. And I know he's an old Cockney ragamuffin, is Roy, and he's probably had a few scraps in his day. But this was a Premier League athlete in his twenties who he was starting on, and he would have gotten filled in the soft guest. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was boss at, at first. Because like, obviously Liverpool fan, no love lost with Roy Hodgson, but. After the dust had settled, the was giggling about it. It was brilliant.
0: It was very... Do you remember 10 years ago, the wheelstone Raider? It was very like, <laughs> oh, go on Oh, give it, yeah. Oh, oh, did, yeah, yeah, oh. It was fantastic. Because to be fair, I thought that Max Lowe was in the wrong. Why did he put his hand in Roy's precious little tum-tum like that, eh? Why did he do that? That was unnecessary. No wonder Roy kicked off.
1: I think, though, because it was all this stuff about time wasting stuff he probably thought oh I want to get the the game kicked back off in the interest of sport and fairness and Rory was probably going to use some of his old tactics to kind of juggle it and be a bit of an arsehole, wasn't he so I don't think it was intentional him giving a very soft uh, jab to the gut of what (laughs) is a man approaching his 80s but uh, yeah, it was great.
0: I love the Kavorka though. Fifty years of difference still wants to take him on. Up the way. up the way, Hodgson. Uh, we move on from our highlight of the week to the twat of the week. I think we're all in unison this week. Uh, I'm going to pretend the PGMOL, the Professional Game Match Officials, <laughs> the Professional Game Match Officials Limited is a person so let's pretend Pogmol or Pugmol is a person and that is my twat of the week uh, Um, it was going to be that massive pissy pants hypocrite Jürgen Klopp for my twat of the week this week but this I think takes the biscuit why, why Jürgen Jürgen's lovely he's a pissy pants oh there's only one team who are going to be struggling with the two official uh, the two uh, ruling the the technical area thing and that's going to be Newcastle he's rattled by Newcastle also he's backtracking on the uh, the transfer business oh Manchester Spit, uh, Manchester Spitty Manchester City spending uh, 100 million on a player oh oh that can't ever happen this isn't football oh let's bid 115 for Caicedo arsehole
1: one, I think he was joking about the Newcastle thing and Newcastle fans are rattled by Liverpool because I've got a mate who has terrible takes on Twitter who said that he thinks that Newcastle will comfortably outdo Chelsea and Liverpool this season and the only players he'd take from Liverpool are Andy Robertson and Alisson, so he's full of crap. Two... Hang on, let me think about, let me think
0: about it. I'll have I'll have Alisson, I'll have Salah. Um, Gakpo. Where's he Surely fit? where's he fitting Newcastle's team? Anywhere in
1: that from four, basically. He's fantastic. Gakpo.
0: Gakpo. I, yeah. I'll say I'll it hasn't done enough for me yet. I'll maybe at the end of the season if he's got twenty goals I'll I'll take him. But at the minute, who scores more? Him or Almiron in the Premier League? I think Almiron does, does he not? Ooh, I don't know. We'd have to get the numbers up. You
1: wouldn't take Trent? You wouldn't well, take, I'll take Trent. Oh I'd
0: take oh i take Trent, yeah, I would take Trent. No. That's 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 three then. <laughs>
1: I'm sure with the £100 million player thing, I'm sure he said those comments seven years ago and a lot has changed. But he's a, he's a twat, but he's our twat. Let's get back on it. The PGMOL, Ross.
0: Yes, they told Gary O'Neill that they made a massive mistake. There was no... Obviously, go back and listen to Jack and wonderful rant earlier in the podcast. Let's echo those sentiments and just call the Professional Game Match Officials Limited a collective set of twats, a gaggle of twats, a council of twats. What's your favorite collective thing? Like, you know, you get like a, was it a gaggle of ravens or something? What are they call gaggle of geese. Gaggle of geese. Collective names for murder thing, of crows. For oh yeah, murder of crows is a good one. I'm sure crabs has got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> An get itch a gang of crabs. Do you want to know if you can get a, a troop of baboons, a shoal Ooh. of bass, a sounder of boar, a caravan of camels? That's what I'm talking about. Up the caravans of camels. Uh, What was I saying there? What was I saying? Oh, what was it? Crabs. I'm looking for seas. Up the seas. Colts, cows, coyotes. and get a band of coyotes. Uh, crows are murder. Crocodiles are floater or a bask. There's no crabs on there. That's a shame anyway. Uh, they're, they're, Make a, one up. They're a set. They're a, they're, a, they're, a, they're a tower of twats. Yeah. I love that giraffes is a tower. You see a group of giraffes, it's called the Tower of Giraffes. It sounds
1: like a funk band. I'm into that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. lsd ridden in that one isn't there the tower of no it doesn't matter uh, but they are just a set of twats they sort out what they're doing They're changing rules for changing rules sakes there's no communication when they're clearly getting stuff wrong they need to change the rule for referees like simon hooper going against the suggestion that you should go and look at the var monitor because he probably has missed something surely if someone's saying that you're thinking oh i must must have missed something i'll have to go and check it out you can't just bat that way
1: well it's it's again we've what we've said before—it's—it's it's the seeming arrogance of refs in the top positions in this country that they're just like we can tell tell us no wrong. We're Premier League refs. We got here on merit. It's like every everything needs you know holding up. Everyone can improve, no matter what your job is. Uh, it does seem like an organization where it's just jobs for the boys. They're not out to protect the game. They're not to protect the rules of the game. They seem to be out there to protect themselves. So,
0: amen, sister.
1: Yeah, like like we said before, they deserve and have the right to, you know, provide a service and to do it in peace without fear like after we saw after the Roma gate the Roma the other month of, you know, fear of being attacked and all that kind of stuff. But they need accountability, they need clarity, they need lines of communication and yeah, they need to shut up
0: <laughs> at yeah. the same time. <laughs> shut up, the stupid idiots. Yeah, take that one. Yeah, uh, We go from one gaggle of twats to another because Jack Harkins brought the news to me before the podcast day that there's no what happened to that Wunderkid even though it was scheduled to happen today. So I'd like for you now to just explain why you're letting everybody down.
1: I'm letting everybody down uh, for a handful of reasons. One, because it was the opening weekend of the Premier League that we decided to go over every match in detail so therefore i thought we don't want it going on for too long uh, and two i'm I've, I've had a busy week i know this is one of my things to do and you're busier than i generally but also three for next week's podcast i will be up in newcastle so hopefully we'll be in the same studio sharing a mic like the bgs
0: and we'll do one then and we're actually going to have the wonder kid in the studio with us that's the only we way are. you can make it up. Imagine, right, if we're doing Freddie Adu next week and you wield in Freddie Adu. <laughs> you? Might bring David
1: Bentley in next week. That's <laughs> what
0: I'm going to do. He can't be doing much these days. He'd be, he'd be welcoming the phone call from you, surely. He's probably
1: in Weatherspoon's putting his table number on social media <laughs> to get free pints.
0: And I bet he gets sweet bugger all. Anyway, <laughs> on to the Roberto mailbaggy, here we go. It's rossatholdandgive.com. That's R-O-S-S, ha-ha, at, ha-ha, H-O-L-D, ha ha-ha, A-N-D, Haha. ha G-I-V-E.com. I need to work out a catchy way to say that. It is getting busier once again, so once again, very sorry if your mailbag uh, submission hasn't made the cut, but keep on trying. It'll get there soon, kids. Just don't stop believing <laughs> I can't do that sincere stuff at all anyway alright lads time to put your tinfoil hats on as my question is about conspiracy theories my theory is as follows Lionel Messi joins Paris Saint-Germain in 2021 PSG is owned by the Qatar Sports Investments Qatar hosted the 2022 World Cup and Argentina win the final against France now that Lionel Messi has joined into Miami and the next World Cup is being held in Canada Mexico and the USA could lightning strike twice who knows so my question is do you have any of your conspiracy theories or believe in any existing ones up the hold and give and that is from jack from liverpool in brackets not atkins
1: yes i i didn't email you this week ross to try and get myself in the pocket <laughs> i remember you did email, email fi-
0: you remember that you, you emailed the first week though didn't you i remember that one did i yeah i can't remember what you said in but i was just like oh better look next week pal do you remember well
1: of course I don't remember I think I DM'd you on Instagram didn't I saying something like Jack Atkins is very handsome
0: or something along those lines Oh for debate but there we go I'll go my my, my favourite one of recent memory because I want to actually probably do a deep dive series on these conspiracy theories because I do I do like a conspiracy theory I don't necessarily believe them all but I do like diving Mm. in and see what they're about Uh, it's Lasagna Gate West Ham and Spurs Arsenal apparently providing the lasagna to s- spike the Spurs squad on the evening of like a-, a straight Champions League fourth place shootout. Uh West Ham defeat Spurs, a heavily defeated Spurs side. Arsenal go on and qualify for the Champions League again.
1: You you believe that or you just like that one?
0: I just like it. Just on the off chance that it might be real, like sabotage with food. I'm all for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's 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 like it's like something from a kind of Bawdy 1980s comedy, isn't it? Where it's just like a group of nerd football players just like, oh, let's get revenge on the jocks by poisoning (laughs) the lasagna and they'll have the (laughs) poos.
0: Right, it's it's a fantastic tale if it is true. I don't know if it's... I can't see as far as the little bit of research I did after just remembering that one. I can't see if it's been proven true or false. So if you do, let me know. If you're the chef maybe who made the lasagna, let me know. Email in ross at holdandgive.com.
1: Is where you get a DM from the Romford himself saying, Yeah, that was me that I put like I put a uh, rubbed my dog's ass with my hand and then slapped the lasagna ribbon.
0: Why was that the first thing that came to your mind then? I was gonna
1: say I pooed in it and I thought, that's not likely, but I thought what is disgusting? I thought, oh, dog's bare ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. What's your favourite football conspiracy theory?
1: The only one that really came to mind is the one I do believe in. I do think Howard Webb is definitely a Man United fan.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, because usually when I get wound up by football, I'm usually I'm a calm and collected man. Um I'm prone to a rant and going absolutely berserk, but I'm quick to come back down and apologise. <laughs> and it's the same with football. You know, I've got a mate who's terrible and Liverpool fan and obviously he's one of those that will scream foul throw we're at the game and stuff I'm just like shut up mate um, <laughs> I can accept that when we're crap we're crap we don't get beaten because you know we're brilliant and the other team are cheating sometimes your team are just outplayed um, so yeah in, in terms of conspiracy theories I'm just usually like afterwards I'm like oh no it was just a game of chances It's it just didn't go our way but Howard Webb is definitely a Man
0: he is. He was pictured in, a uh, like, a, a an executive box this week, wasn't he? Even though he's the head of the – well, got involved with the referees and somehow I don't know what his official job title is, but no impartiality there from how a web never was. Bastard. I hate him. Anyway. Oh, yeah. uh, hello, Ross and Clive. I know he said up the Ross and Clive there. <laughs> that sounds like some Cotney <laughs> Ryman slam, doesn't it? Um, hello, <laughs> Ross and Clive. As a Spurs supporter, I'm absolutely gutted about the departure of Harry Kane. I know a lot, like, a lot of the – lot of the. It's so warm in this bedroom. I'm starting to get delirious. I know a lot of the neutrals like yourselves. It seemed a bit like a no-brainer, but to us, it has been a serious blow. Harry was not just the best player the club has ever seen. He was also a lovely bloke as well. When my auntie Lynn, who was a Spurs super fan, passed away a few years ago, her grandson was uh, training at the academy. Harry must have heard about it through the grapevine, as he and Deli Alley took time out of their day to make an appearance at the wake and pay their respects. And that is an unbelievable story. That's
1: fantastic. Yeah, it's
0: fantastic. Not many professional footballers would have done that uh, and my family is nothing but love and respect for them as players as well as people. So my question is, which player leaving your uh, respective clubs hit you the hardest? Thanks for providing some entertaining and amusing football banter slash analysis. Talk sport makes my ears bleed. Yours sincerely, oh dear God, you might have to help me out here, former Nagoya Grampus and Kashiwa Real uh, centre-back Shinosuke Nakatani AKA the bisexual Bovril Botherer AKA James from Cambridge up oh, the bisexual Bovril Botherer That's a tongue twister bisexual Bovril Botherer Did I say all those words correctly because sometimes my mouth just moves in a direction my brain doesn't realize it's going
1: Um as, as a as a expert on Japanese football and Bovril uh, it
0: all sounded good to me Thank God for that right then which Liverpool player leaving hit you the hardest
1: um, well before we get that I, I just want to say my respect has just gone up for Harry Kane and Deli Ali because great gesture absolutely fantastic yeah. gesture the one that hurt me the most obviously there are loads that hurt at the time on and off the pitch but the one that hurt the most for me and a lot of people of my generation uh, even though losing players like Robbie Fowler and Jabby Alonso like really hurt Fernando Torres because I wasn't a kid anymore and this was the last time I know a lot of my mates were like, this is the last time I fall in love with a player. This, this, this is it. It, it. All love died after Torres went. Um, I was working in London at the time with a Chelsea fan and that day was ridiculous. We were just all on our phones and had the radios tuned in and finding out what was going on. And when he went, I was gutted because we brought in Suarez and famously Andy Carroll on the same day. The plan was always for Suarez. So we were gonna get Suarez and Torres leading our line which even though Torres had gone off the boil he'd had a bad injury etc that still would have been fantastic but yeah after then um, I I never felt love again after Fernando Torres
0: Wow I don't know why I start when it comes to Newcastle players interestingly though on, on Fernando Torres going to Chelsea I lived with the scouts as I say a few times at university a big Liverpool fan went home and away all over the place he always made a big point of saying oh the 18 months before torres left he was a shadow of the player that we saw in the first bit of his liverpool career is that right
1: yes it was um a lot of the fan base had not fully turned on him but he wasn't putting in the performances anymore some people like to say it was after he got his hair cut and obviously when spain won the world cup and there was a picture of him with the world cup with a liverpool scarf around his neck and people were thinking that was him trying to by favour of the fans again he wasn't the same player but
0: still remembering who he was when we first got him what a player he was very good that first couple of years wasn't he uh, as mm-hmm. for Newcastle I've got numerous ones when Graham Sooness started falling out with Craig Bellamy Lauren Robert, they're the two big ones. That was a that was the first kick in the kick in the ballics for me as a Newcastle fan because as I've said a few times my first season of being like conscious of what was going on was a 1-0 2 finishing fourth Lauren Robert's first season at Newcastle, Craig Bellamy's first season at Newcastle. They were two players of my childhood then by 2005 they were both gone. Um well the midpoint of 2005 at least. And then going on to my adulthood Johan Cabai I mean the right was on the wall for a while he was too good for Newcastle where we were at that point in time even though we were top 10 Adam Pardew were low Remy and that that Newcastle squad but he was a heavy one and when Hatton Ben Arthur went from Newcastle to Hull on deadline day I think it was just seeing him rock up at Hull Hatton Ben Arthur for goodness sakes (laughs) he should have had the team built around him so he just had to just waltz on the pitch and do whatever you want because the rest of the team would take care of the stuff that actually matters in football. What a talent. It's a shame to say him piss it all away as he continue to do after he left Newcastle. But just there are a few names that come to mind. James Perch as well when He went to Wigan for 750 grand. What we were doing with that business there, I don't know. He was worth at least three and a half million pounds. But uh, there's so many with Newcastle. You get to it because, you know, we were just before, like the era before I got involved, we were one of the big, teams in england like for the 90s oh yeah um we were up there then we fell down thanks to kenny daglish and uh, then we were built back up again thanks to sir bobby robson so it was nice to get that little taste when i was first properly getting into football but then just seeing all the players you know, just that feeling of like oh he's good him we're gonna lose him eventually that was a horrible period of time to go through hopefully now you know with the investments and whatnot and saudi arabia getting involved those days might be gone like we'll, we'll lose players when they're not good enough rather than be being too good, if that makes any sense. Um, so hopefully those days are gone, but yeah. This, just, current, this current Newcastle squad, there's too many to mention. Oh. Don't fall in love. Can't help it. I, Jacob Murphy's I, I, got my heart.
1: After after Torres, like when Suarez went, we were just like, yeah, but well, we were braced for this because, you know, Fernando Torres left us like everyone else did. It's just, it's inevitable.
0: Yeah. Crap, is it, football? The food chain it's, of it's, football. I hate football. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings Liddlers. We can tell this person's a cultaholic fan, uh, day oneish podcast listener and channel subscriber, first time writer, etc., etc. Got a spare minute as the sun has mercifully set, and I thought I'd write in before the shiny yellow bastard gets back up and melts my melon again. What a way of where, words this guy's got! I just wanted to talk about something you've never mentioned on the podcast because it doesn't have anything to do with English football, but as a Real Betis, uh, but as Real Betis is my Spanish club, it was a very important event for me. Joaquin finally retired at the end of last season at the ripe old age of four and he was the sort of co-player any club would love to have. I won't indulge in a full lecture on the man, but here are the cliff notes. He came through the academy as a real pet his boy, his boyhood club, won the Copa del Rey with the club in 2005, then probably got married with the trophy present at the wedding as a guest of honour. He moved to Valencia, won the cup there as well, after which he was infamously, <laughs> infamously photographed naked with the cup in the dressing room. He swears the photo was distorted to this day. I assume there must be a little winky on there, Jack. Atkins he returned home to Bettlers at the age of 34 in 2015 where he became club captain and a shareholder in the club wow that he was a shareholder. He uh, became the oldest player to score a La Liga hat-trick at 38 years and 140 days uh, old, beating the previous record set by none other than Alfredo de Bloody Stefano in the year of our Lord 1964. He surpassed Raul of Real Madrid fame as the outfield player with the most La Liga appearances in 2020. He won the Copa del Rey with Betis again 17 years after the first in 2022 and posed naked with the club de- the cup deliberately this time as bands needed to be had, and I'm your little winkies remained <laughs> he became the oldest player to score in Europa League in his final season at 41 years and 56 days old and in his final game for Betis he equaled uh, Andoni Zubizarreta's record of overall La Liga appearances by any player with 622 just one more game and he would have had it what a shame eh the real miracle, though, playing till the age of 41 in a top three league as Pacey, as a Pacey winger, bloody hell. I'm the same age as him, and a 70-meter dash would kill me. Do they make players like this anymore? Debatable. Well, legendary career either way up the Joaquin. Mercifully, I've got nothing else to talk about, so I'll shut up now. Best of luck with the channel and the podcast. Best regards, former WWE mid Carter and Brawl for All winner, Michael Bard uh, Bartgun, Paul, Tr- Paul... How the hell do you say that? Polchol... Paul Polchlapek. Paul 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 Polchlapek. Polchlapek. Polcholopec? Barkon! <laughs> A.K.A. Ari from Parts Unmentionable. So, do they make players like Joaquin anymore? I think it's the question. In the midst of what happened to that old bastard making his debut on the podcast?
1: In mm. In terms of staying in a top three league until 41... Not too sure because obviously everyone's just going to Saudi Arabia now. Milner?
0: We have see- <laughs> Zlatan? Yeah. 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 Uh.
1: But we, we, we are seeing players like retire older, like old Christiana and now, now is like 38?
0: 38, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it seems that the, the older age is, you know, increasing, you know, a bit like when these like, oh, in the medieval times, you'd be dead by 36, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't realise that he was had that many records to his
0: name. Yeah, always knew he was a good player, like from just the Spanish yeah. national team at World Cups and stuff like that. Obviously, don't follow the Liga as much as some do, but uh, it's wonderful to hear he's a shareholder in the club. Like I couldn't imagine Paul Dummett being a shareholder in Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Could I can you? imagine him turning up with a Newcastle polo on, with a tie on as
0: well. The ultimate combo. <laughs> I, but that's lovely to hear about Joaquin. It was a great night lesson there. That was what happened to that old bastard. But in terms of, as Jackson <laughs> says, there he's nailed it on the head. Um, yeah, players like that just aren't aren't made anymore. It seems like you just they move on.
1: And it'll be interesting to see who who will be the next Joaquin in that
0: regards. Who, if you had to nail your flag to a particular mast? Who will be that man? Trent? <laughs> Mo
1: Salah. Oh. Maybe not for maybe not for Liverpool, but I still think that he'll be one of those that when he's just like an old fella, he, he'll still be banging him in in
0: Germany or something. he be for his local team in Egypt, whatever th- team that is. Do Egypt have a football league? I assume they do. That's a stupid thing to say. Um, Yeah, they must do. Yeah. <laughs> They had a player called Sedan once upon a time. Of course they do. <laughs> anyway, of course, we end with the big question and I'm just going to come up with this off the top of my edge Jarkins. Is Neymar's contract the stupidest contract of all time? Yes. We've heard about players getting certain add-ons to their contract in terms of bonuses. Paul Gascoigne got a sunbed for his sister, a jacuzzi for his mom and dad, a new house for his mom and dad, but this has taken it to a different level.
1: I will say for Neymar fair balls to him um, this isn't being angry at Neymar because like we said with other things if you were presented that you'd have a hard time saying no uh, you're, especially as a footballer your career is only for so long and from sounding like that it sounds like he doesn't have to spend a penny of that 100 million a year invest it, let it just live off the interest if needs be Fair, fair balls to him but in terms of what that league can pay out it's it's disgusting. Why can't they give me why can't they give me just a grand a day just for being a nice man? I'll take
0: that. I'll take a grand a week if they're watching. Like I'm a Newcastle yeah. fan. They'll just give me a grand a week for being a Newcastle fan. I'll sell my soul. It's a horrible life's horrible, isn't it? How it's all dependent on money and income. Or is it's it disgusting? Or do we now realise it's just it's happiness that gets us through? It's the people that we know, the relationships that we build and not the money that we make.
1: For most people, yes. But for <laughs> someone like me, who's anti-social
0: and a bit ill and likes spending money on crap, um, it's a bit of both. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting to see going forward now that the news is out about these add-ons to this contract, what players who potentially are potentially going to go to Saudi Arabia might ask for now. Because if I was a player who was getting interest from Saudi Arabia, I'd be going, you see all that there? I want that and this planet. Again? A, a planet, a singular planet. I want Jupiter.
1: Again, I'm picturing Paul Dummer asking for this and then being like, no.
0: <laughs> Imagine Paul Dummer getting like a massive contract. I just, I've just, i always imagined Paul Dummer getting paid a grand a week, as you say, at Newcastle, just because he's from the area. Oh, we're going to exploit I, him. Give him a grand a week, it's fine.
1: It's like me and me used to say years ago about Yossi Bennu, fantastic player, played for many big clubs, won lots of stuff, but we said, he doesn't look like the kind of man who's a millionaire. <laughs> no, he doesn't. No, nah, he looked like he got his jumpers from Asda, which is which is fine. But, you know, if you're on 50 grand a week or whatever you're on, you'd be like, ah, oh, he's not a flashy man.
0: No. Would you? Ah, oh, you, you would be a flashy man, wouldn't you? If you were on a Premier League wage packet or a Saudi Arabian wage packet, I'd, I'd dread to think the brands you would bring into your life because you, you're a stylish bastard anyway. <laughs> and you have got a pot of piss in. So imagine if you did have money. <laughs> It'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I'd be I'd be wearing some outrageous gear. I wouldn't. I'd still be shopping at Uniqlo. Oh, the Uniqlo. Cool, whatever it's called. I'm
1: actually not wearing a
0: Uniqlo T-shirt for a change. <laughs> What's that? Is that the Jacksonville Jags? Uh,
1: no, it's skateboard brand Dime from Montreal.
0: Ooh. That's a noise for you. That's the end of the podcast, everybody. It's been a marathon today—one hour and thirty-nine. We've been recording for. I guess I'll get it trimmed down a little bit when Jack Atkins unplugged his microphone, not to plug it back in. But thank you very much for watching. More content coming out this week—fantasy football content, FPL stuff uh, coming to the channel tomorrow on Friday. Myself and Kayla have done the away kits tier, considering again. Jack Atkins being busy. Owen didn't want to do it. I don't think Joel's retired. Kayla's back on the channel, uh, we'll see how it goes down, um, what else is there I guess that's it, just up the hold and give give us a subscribe if you haven't already and Jack, has any closing remarks before we go away?
1: Yeah, uh, you don't have to call me a knobhead in the comments because unlike other people who work under the Cultaholic umbrella, I don't read the comments and I know you're saying it anyway, so yeah, I, I deserve it for some of the absolute part that comes out of my mouth. It was only
0: one last bit just... to be fair. It was only one. It was it was because you predicted Liverpool finishing second, which was outrageous.
1: I, I go with my heart. I go with my heart at the end of the day. But uh, just, just have a bit of fun. And up the hold and give.
0: Up the hold and give. Just have a bit of fun. There's the catchphrase for the channel. I've been Ross Tweddle, joined by Jack Atkins or Clive F. And we'll see you in person. Next week. Oh, I hope you put some older toilets on. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, God.